Rich Roll Podcast. Say hi. Do, do your whole thing while I sip on this coffee. All right. There is no whole thing, man. It's just it's the Vinny show. You just roll right into it. You know, I I, I listen. I listen to you. I listen to your podcast. Yeah. Because it's the only way I get to see you or hear you. you right. Know, I feel like I'm having a relationship. We used to we used to have an in-person relationship on the <laughs> yeah. bike, but that has not existed for a while. And computers have taken that away from us. So. I know. Even though, we, as the crow flies, we don't live that far apart. What, not three at all. Miles no, not even. I mean, right over that hill I, is where I live. And right. We never see each other except when we come in here and you turn on the well, I run into you at Starbucks. Yeah, we see each other at Starbucks. I know. It's a crying shame. But what I heard on my way here, I was listening to you on the podcast because uh-huh. I love your podcast. See, I'm a vegan at heart. That's yeah, you are. <laughs> You're like Maca. Maca always, Chris McCormick says, think vegan, think vegan, you know, yeah. but then he goes to a restaurant, he doesn't order vegan. He goes, he told me that he, he, he originally said, yeah, I'm really into this vegan thing. I watch Forks Over Knives. I'm super into it. I think vegan. And when I go to restaurants, <laughs> I eat vegan, but when I go, to, only when I eat out, and then we went out to breakfast after a swim workout and he ordered bacon and eggs. So I guess that was out the way. And he said, no, yeah. but I'm thinking about being vegan. Yeah, as long as you think vegan, you're there. It's kind of what was that phrase in um, in, in, in that movie? Uh, Breathe through your eyes. Right. And, which movie was that? It was uh, the baseball movie with uh, Susan Sarandon. Field of Dreams. No, oh the, no, the other one with Tim Robbins. Yeah, yeah. I Breathe what, through your eyes. Right. You know, I say think vegan. Hey everybody, like me. Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no cost, science based habit building program designed by my well being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well being, courtesy of a doable, evidence based 12 week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP 804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge. And nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com slash livingproof. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested, or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. 
Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. As a matter of fact, you know, we're, it's almost like uh, we're in a divorce because there are people who are going, well, I'm torn between you and Rich. Well, I got a, shit on this. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I've gotten some emails over the past couple of days. And I'm confused. You know, you're saying one thing. Vinny says another thing. Ben Greenfield says something else. Yeah. I had Tim Van Orden on, who's a, who's a raw vegan runner who's done really, really well. So he's taking it to a whole different level. And then people are in some sort of uh, tailspin over the whole thing. Yeah, and, and hopefully today we could clear some of that up in between talking about everything else. Uh, let me see if I can find this while we're talking. There were a couple tweets. About- there was a Facebook thing. I didn't bring my glasses in here, but the guy's name is Lon Lomas, and he follows us, I think, tweet-wise, but he also writes to me. Should have really brought my glasses in. If I can- right, let me hold it. Let me see. I can read it. Read, read that email there. The last one. Uh, I listen to your advice like gospel. Rich R is talking with MMA guy, says ketosis is bad and dangerous. I know you guys are chatting soon. Could you two go over this? I'd like to find a life, 
fuel plan that strikes a healthy balance. I'm sure you guys have plenty to chat about. Thanks for everything. So I thought that was a, a good kicking off. I, I read that on the way here because that's what I do when I drive. I, I retweet. I mean, that's, right. that's how you drive in L.A. Um, Shame on you. <laughs> no, I read it when I was getting this coffee at Starbucks. Um, but that, that's an interesting question. First of all, who was the MMA guy? Uh, I, I had that his one. name is uh, James Wilkes, James Lightning Wilkes, and he was uh, champion of the Ultimate Fighter season nine, that reality show. Yeah, uh, he's now retired. He had like a vertebrae injury, so he doesn't compete anymore. But he has a gym in Orange County, and he uh, is full on board with the plant based movement. Eats a plant based diet. He's a very intelligent, articulate guy, and he tours around and give speeches about plant-based diet and is, you know, very knowledgeable about that. But he's, you know, he's all gung-ho on the plant, plant-powered plant movement. Is that why he says ketosis is bad? And because a lot of people don't understand Well, in fairness, ketosis. I think, I think that, in fairness, I think that was, I was the one who was saying it. And I wasn't saying that it was inherently bad. My, my take on it, based upon what I've read and the way that I understand it, is that ketosis is, and again, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor. I've also been getting emails from people saying, you know, don't talk out your ass. So I, I got to be careful about <laughs> Welcome that. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, my understanding, and please do your own research on all of this. Um, but the way I understand it is that ketosis is a physiological state that occurs when you're eating a very low carb, higher protein diet that uh, that is very effective at weight loss, but also puts strain on your kidneys. And in a protracted state of ketosis, you can lead to kidney stones and you know kidney uh, kidney problems. So, if you have a different take on that, or you have a different understanding, well, you're, you're about you're, you're about sixty percent there. And this is a good time to talk about this. Um, and yeah, because the, the listen, and the other thing that came up in the interview with James was that the low carb movement, of which you are an, a very avid sure. subscriber yeah. to, and the paleo movement, they have the microphone right now. They have the stage. This is the most popular diet, and people are curious about it. And of course, I have a different perspective on that, and I adhere to a different way of eating and living. Uh, so, you know, here we are sitting across from each other and people think that we're going to like, you know, punch each other in the face. Yeah, that's what I said. It's like a somebody's going to be, somebody's going to be a winner and somebody's going to be a loser. And, you know, if one person can't come out on top, then, then there's just confusion. And well, and let, like. let me send your audience to bed right now. We're not going to solve this today. Good night, everybody. Right. I'll see you later. Podcast over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> done. Because this won't be settled here, um, nor will it probably ever be settled um well and this is why there's hundreds of of diet books that come out every yeah. year and, and and it increases the the confusion even more <laughs> um l- let me address what you said earlier about um uh, first off ket- ketosis gets a bad rap just all the way around from a lot of people years ago they got a really bad rap um and the reason being is there's something called ketoacidosis and what that is, is, you know, it, it's a medical condition. Uh, people end up in ketoacidosis when, um, it, it, for different reasons, if, if you have um, diabetes. Uh, people who, like the Karen Carpenters of the world, who died from starvation from, you know, they, she had a different problem. She was a, uh, um, uh, why, why is this term? Anorexic. Anorexic. Um, 
those people run into trouble because their bodies are literally eating themselves. Dietary ketosis is a lot different. Um, I talked about this on the Angriest Trainer podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I'm not so much a low-carb guy, but what I adhere to is pretty low-carb. And let me explain that, and then I'm going I'm to bring it full circle. Um, I believe in no sugars and no grains. The, the more you can stay away from sugar, you know, meaning granular sugar, like just sugar, mm-hmm. not the sugar you find in fruit and vegetables, unless you're squeezing it out. Uh, but the more you can stay away from sugars, the more you can stay away from grains, the less problems you have as a human being. Um, just trying to live through life. You're not going to gain weight. You're not going to have. Um, you, you're not going to have all of the. Uh, you know the the uh, inflammation that your body can have, mm-hmm. and even if all you did was get rid of soda and processed foods, which contain all the refined grains, absolutely, you're you're more than halfway there. I would oh, say. you 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 won't be fat if you were fat and you start doing that. You won't be fat anymore. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. But we're talking about you know my podcast went off the deep end right around we're at ninety or ninety five. I don't know where we are, but somewhere in the fifties. Something happened, and I started talking about ketosis because, as you know, that's the way I live. And I always stayed away from that. I didn't really talk about it in my book. That's still not out. Mm -hmm. And I didn't talk about it on the podcast a whole hell of a lot. But I was outed on the podcast, and I started talking about it. So then I became— Outed me? You went over the deep end, and you were outed in what way? You mean you got got grief or you got feedback? No, I had a uh, a guest on who um, is an actress— uh, who uses me to lose weight when she has to lose a ton of weight to be on, on uh, in TV shows and movies? And she was doing a movie with uh, Minnie Driver, and she got and she talked about how I put people into ketosis, and I was out it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that as a profession, and I do it in a professional way, and that's when we started talking about it, and that's when the whole "Hey, you're one of those ketosis guys" came out. So and I I'm, think just I'm, to just to backtrack, ketosis really became a keyword or a catchphrase when Atkins had its ascendancy in the mid '90s. Really, right? I mean, that's when actually nobody uh, had really heard of ketosis until Atkins. The Atkins he was diet talking craze. about it back in the '70s, right? But Atkins didn't take hold until later. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it took hold. It fell off, and it took. He keeps taking hold, and there's a reason for that. He meaning. Who, Dr. Atkins? The Atkins-style diet, which, by the way, I have some problems with also. I hope so. I have problems with everything. Um, But here's the thing. When I started talking about ketosis, I kept telling people, listen, I'm not telling you to go into ketosis unless there's something you really want to do. You really want to read up on it. You really want to, you know, figure it out. But just like most athletes who want to do everything to the nth degree— I started getting tons and tons of questions, so I started going deeper and deeper. So now my show is about two things. For the normal people, it's about no sugars and no grains. For the real wackos who want to take it to that almost biohacking-style form, I have the, okay, you can go into ketosis. And I talked about this a few shows ago. I mentioned that it's not good to go in and out because people are going, well, I was in ketosis and now I'm out. So I need to go back in again and now I'm out. That's not a good idea at all because when your body is going into ketosis for those first couple of weeks, your body creates more acid. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where the problem starts, where people start with the kidney stones. Right, because when, you are, when, when you're in an, in an acidic state, when your blood pH is on the acidic side, your body has to go into hyperdrive to bring it back to a more neutral state, Absolutely. which is your natural state. And in order to do that, generally, my understanding is that it then uh, resorts to leaching minerals out of your bones, which is why we, which brings up the osteoporosis issue and the kidney stones and, and the like. So we're talking about, essentially what you're saying is, it's the difference between long-term sustainable wellness and a performance gain. If you want to lose weight, ketosis, there's no question that ketosis is, oh, is very effective at that. But as a solution to long-term wellness, I mean, personally, it's not something that I could recommend. Well, I, I recommend it to people who want to stay in it. I stay in it. Um, and I, I do it for different reasons, by the way. Before I had cancer, I and that's something care. we haven't even talked about. Yeah, we didn't get. If it, you're comfortable yeah. talking about it, I'd yeah, love yeah, to. No, I'm, I'd I'm love fine to talk about that. But before cancer, I I ate sugar like there was no tomorrow. Whenever I could get away with the sugar, I would eat it. Uh, I was still a no sugar, no grain guy. But if a dessert was around and it was a special treat, I would have sugar. I love sugar. Uh, Post cancer. I live in ketosis because there's just too many studies out there that shows that, you know, by the way, my cancer is going to come back. But when it comes back is pretty much up to me. The more sugar you eat, the more chances you're giving yourself to have that, that cancer grow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in going back on chemo one second before I have to. That's the main reason I live in ketosis. Uh, what I found was that being ketosis allows me to exercise for hours on end without needing any additional food, just running off of my own fat. And that's when I got into the whole, wow, you can actually exercise this way and do well this way. Uh, But still, I want to go back to what we were saying before, just for a second. If you're in ketosis and you want to stay in ketosis, that's fine. Going in and out can cause problems. It causes your body to create too much acid. It causes inflammation, the same kind of inflammation you could get from too much sugar, it becomes that too much of anything is bad. But if you stay in ketosis, all of that levels out, and you're, it's just like your body runs just normal. Well, what about the bad breath and the, all of these sort of long-term issues that I've read about that, that come up? Ketoacidosis gives you the bad breath. So what's the difference between ketosis and ketoacidosis, though? I mean, if you're, if you're in a perpetual state of ketosis, isn't right. that... The same you know, thing as ketoacidosis? No, no, it's different. It, it's a different form of ketosis. Um, I, don't, I don't know the scientific terms to explain it. I'm, I'm, I just don't. Um, it's been explained to me 20 different ways, mm-hmm. and I still don't get it. But there's a physiological difference. And I wish I could explain it, but I don't want to give wrong information here. And right. Well, and I don't know the answer either, but I would implore everybody who's listening to to do their own research because I think it is it's not something to entertain lightly. It's something that you want to really understand before you get into it. And, yeah, don't and again, just jump you know, in. Vinny and I are on different sides of the table on this. I mean, my perspective, just to be clear, uh, is you know, all I know, and this is rooted in my own personal experience, and I only speak from my personal experience, but when I'm eating a well-rounded, whole food, plant-based diet, uh, not only do I perform well, train well, race well, and feel good 
you know, not, not all the time I'm a human being, but you know, in the balance of the equation, I feel really good and better than I used to. Uh, I don't have to worry about these kinds of things. I don't have to worry about, uh, I, I don't get caught up in ratios of carbs to fat and I don't have to run a mental calculus when I'm eating of, of this or that. And, you know, I don't overdo it on fruits, but I don't avoid them either. Uh, and, and basically when I'm eating clean like that, my body sort of just functions well and I don't have to get super scientific, scientific and biohacking about the whole equation. See, I think that's something you and I agree on. Um, you know, you had Ben on your show, Ben Greenfeld, and I mm-hmm. had him on my show. But, you know, as a matter of fact, his show is out right now today. Uh, I had him on about a week ago. And, you and know, by the way, his, his conference is coming up in uh, Spokane. Yeah. I don't know the dates offhand, but... Uh, he invited me to that. Oh, he did? Yeah. To be a speaker? Yeah. Oh, he didn't invite me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he liked me more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can get uh, 50% off if you go to the website for it and use the code RICHROLL. I think it's uh, superhuman. I can't remember. Uh, what I'll is. put it in the. Sh- I'll put the link in the show notes, but um, or rebate if you're interested in in the area and want to attend. I think it's in early March, and he's got a pretty cool speaker lineup. Yeah, he he's. The, I think Dave uh, Dave Asprey is going to be there also. Oh he's yeah, another biohacker. I heard him on Joe Rogan. He was interesting. He's coming on my show. Uh, we're trying to figure out a date when we can both be. You know, when he can be on the phone and I can be in the studio. Um, he, you know, the biohacking guys is really interesting what they're doing. But I think you and I. If we can't agree on, on a particular diet, we agree that you don't have to sit there and trick your body into, you know, I think it's interesting what they're doing, but I, I just, it just seems like a waste of a whole day. Well, also, you know? yeah, I want to live my life, you yeah. know, and my, and yes, I'm very interested in health and nutrition and that's the predominant subject matter of this podcast, but you know, I have a life outside of this and yeah. I don't want to be spending every waking moment of my day thinking about you know, the proportion of this and that in, in my food and what that's going to do. Like, I just want to live my life. And when I'm eating clean and when I'm eating, you know, a whole food plant-based diet, it takes care of itself. And I think that then I don't have to, you know, I'm not going to get out the test tubes and, and be doing all that. And that's great that Dave does that and guys like Tim Ferriss and all yeah. of that. And, you know, we can learn from their experience in, in that regard, but that's not my life. And, you know, look, we're talking, you're just having been on the show, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be the same when Dave comes on. By the way, I love Dave's coffee. Uh, oh, the bulletproof coffee? Yeah, the bulletproof so coffee. So what's I've heard him talk about it on Joe, and Joe, Joe Rogan talks about it as well. Does it come with the, the butter in it, or do you add no, no, that? I, no, you, as a matter of fact, I don't buy his coffee, you know, because it's just so damn expensive. Right, and for the listener, uh, he has this product called Bulletproof Coffee, and... He speaks uh, intelligently about, uh, I think it's called microtoxins. Yeah. Uh, the, my, uh, the mycotoxins or the microtoxins? I'm I not think sure which one. I think it's mycotoxins. Mycotoxins, yeah. And it, essentially, these sort of fungi, fung, funguses, mold fungi, mold yeah. that grows not just on coffee, but I think a lot of the foods that we eat and how that uh, interferes with our digestive systems and the optimal functioning of our bodies. And apparently his coffee beans are mycotoxin free. And as a result of that, it's a, a clean, you know, it's better for your body or whatever, if right. you're a coffee drinker. But you better have some money in your pocket because it's like $18 for 12 ounces. Of, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And 
you know, he says, you know, he even puts an ad on his site. He goes, it's only $2 more than Starbucks. But no, Starbucks charges you $12 for the whole pound. And he's charging you $18 for like 12 or 13 ounces. So it's significantly more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give the recipe because, I, as a matter of fact, I had a bulletproof coffee this morning. Or I, most people call it fat coffee on the internet. Right. You put coconut oil in it or grass-fed co- butter or something like that? Yeah, you like put that. grass-fed butter. Um, again, you know... This is a, you know, have fat in the morning, be a fat-burning ketosis machine yeah, by Vinny Tortorich. And, and by the way, it, it works. Uh, I, do I have the Bulletproof coffee every morning? No. W- by works, what do you mean works? Uh, you can drink that. Like, if I drink um, a fat coffee at 5 in the morning... I don't have to eat again until one in well, the afternoon. Yeah, you're, how you're many calories? It. How many calories is in that butter oh, or coconut a, a oil that you put it, in it's, there? It's, so I'll tell you what's in it. You, you have uh, you have coffee, like a mug and a half of coffee. You put in your Vitamix. You add literally three or four ounces of butter, um, like almost a stick of butter, and then you add on top of that a medium chain triglyceride. If you don't have an MCT oil, you can use coconut oil. I prefer the coconut oil because it gives it a little bit of a different flavor. It's kind of nutty. And on top of that, you know, you, you can throw a little, I, I throw a little cinnamon in it uh, mm-hmm. for taste. And also cinnamon, you know, tends to even out your blood sugar. Um, but you can sip that all morning long or drink it all at once. And you're not going to be hungry because you have a ton of calories in your system. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, a, you're putting a stick of butter in your coffee in the morning. I mean, right. this is a, you know, is this really, when you're speaking to an audience of people that are trying to improve their health, maybe lose <laughs> weight, and we have a society in which 600,000 people suffer a heart attack every year, to me, and this is just me personally, it sounds irresponsible to advise somebody to put a whole ton of butter in their coffee in the morning to start their day. Right. Like I just can't get behind that. The, the problem with, with the, the media and what's out there is that we don't get heart disease from cholesterol. We get it from hardening of the arteries. The cholesterol is just the final thing that goes through the blood that clogs but the arteries. But you cannot get around the fact that the extent of saturated fat uh, and chemicals in our food and all the like are contributing to heart disease. I mean, not it's a, not, it's not at all. I see. This see that's, is where, that's where we disagree. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's just no, and as a matter of fact, the, the heart community is coming around to that now that, you know, look before the 1970s, we didn't even have stats. Well, here, here's what I would say. Let me just, let me just back it up with this, that if you are going to adhere to a very strict Vinnie Tortorich, type diet or Dave Asprey type diet or low carb, and you are going to get rid of all the sugars and all the grains and avoid the processed foods, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, again, I'm not a cardiologist. I'm not a research scientist. Uh, you know, I think that the studies differ on this, uh, that there's a possibility for you to be healthy, I suppose. I mean, you seem healthy and you advocate this and there are plenty of others that do, the problem comes in when the average person who's not going to do this 100% or is going to have the cheat days where they're eating ice cream and, and other types of unhealthy sure, foods, sure. Uh, here's the message that it's great to eat bacon for breakfast and put a stick of butter in your coffee and have a huge omelet with cheese and go about your day. And 
it's not going to have any ill effect on your heart. And I think that that is hugely problematic when we have a culture that is mired in, you know, we're, we're sicker than we ever have been and it's getting worse. And that message makes me, you know, it, it, it literally, it, it, I just find it irresponsible. Yeah, but it's not irresponsible in that, you know, if you go back to the thing that's causing all the problems, the grains, you know, grains cause more problems. So you're saying that heart disease, that what is contributing to the 600,000 heart attacks a well, year in it, your it's, opinion? It's certainly not cholesterol because cholesterol is a fat and that's not going to make your arteries harden. What does make your arteries harden is plaque. And that plaque is caused by sugars and grains. That's not me speaking. That's just how the body works. And once you have a, the, the plaque buildup in the artery, now you have a real problem. So that the cholesterol, the fat lipid of a cholesterol can't pass through anymore. That's why cholesterol gets a bad rap. So then why in your and, opinion? And by the way. So, so all right, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get creamed if we don't like explore this a little bit further. Yeah, no, no, no. I want so, and for, by the way, I'm not a example, doctor. Right, I know. Neither of us are doctors. So please, you know, I implore you to, to read up on this yourself. Uh, but I will say this. Dr. Esselstyn, who wrote Prevent and Revert, Reverse Heart Disease, has established and over 30 years of research that not only can he prevent heart attacks on a whole food plant-based diet, that he can actually reverse heart disease when people adopt his protocol. But it only works when they're on an extremely low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. When they're eating coconut oil and avocados and nuts and the like, uh, he didn't see the reversals. And these reversals are established in these angiograms where he actually has pictures of before and after pictures of people's hearts and you can see the clogged arteries before, and you can see the healthy arteries afterwards. And he's been doing this since the 70s. And he would tell you that there is a significant link between the amount of fat that you're taking into your diet and its impact on cardiac disease. And then you could find the same amount of doctors who will tell you exactly the opposite. So then you have to wonder where the truth lies. Well, then I, but then I look at, the authors of some of these books like Lauren Cordain and like Dr. Atkins and other people who right. they don't look that good. They, they look a little, they don't look that healthy. So right. maybe they're not taking their own advice yeah, or uh, in, in some cases that that's, that's actually the case. Now uh, I, I will agree with this because as you know, I'm a vegan at heart. And by the way, b- before we go on to this, when I'm not drinking, I don't drink fat coffee every morning. Usually I have what's called my fat shake, which is filled with spinach, chard, kale, all mixed into a, a Vitamix with a ton of coconut oil. That's, mm-hmm. that's my fat shake every morning. And, and I was also put some uh, raspberries and, and berries in general. In right. There. So in other words, you're not saying don't eat vegetables. Oh, oh God, no. Don't eat fruit. God, no. As you, I'm... Just now, I had a huge salad, and I'm going to have another huge salad before I eat a steak tonight. Right. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about low-carb people. They think that we sit around with a big slab of beef all day and eating tons of butter. But um, the, the point I wanted to get to is that that's the way I actually eat when I'm not having a bulletproof-style t- coffee for breakfast. I'm eating my fat shake. 
or I'll have bacon and eggs. Usually it's egg because I don't have time to make bacon in the morning. It's, it's 4.30, I'm blurry-eyed. I'll, I'll just eat a bunch of eggs cooked in butter and leave the house that way if I'm not having a fat shake. Um, but I think what happens is when a doctor comes out with a study like this that says, look, I can show the reversal by eating cleanly, by eating nuts, by eating coconut oil, by eating a ton of vegetables. I agree with that because when you take someone off of all of the preservatives, the, the stuff that's causing the problem, partially, partially hydrogenated or hydrogenated oils, which is a huge problem, all of the, the, the coloring we put in food, all the processing we do to food, once you get rid of that, it doesn't matter if you're a fat eater or a vegan eater. It pretty much doesn't matter. The problem just by eating cleanly pretty much goes away. So you can probably show either way that this problem is fixed if you can have a double-blind study with people eating cleanly and people eating just the way they want to eat. But to my knowledge, the only person who's been into it, who has been successful in establishing a pattern and a methodology to actually reverse heart disease is Dr. Esselstyn. I can't speak to it because yeah. I, I just don't know. Right. And then you have, and you know, diabetes is the same thing. Dr. Neil Barnard is, uh, I think his book just came out or it's about to come out on, or no, actually he, no, this book came out earlier on uh, reversing diabetes on a plant-based diet too. So I don't know. You and, know and again, I mean, you, you, can re, you can definitely re- reverse the problem on a plant-based diet. Um, I think drinking a lot of re- reverse type 2 diabetes on a plant-based diet. But if you're having too many sugars in that plant-based diet, you're going to have problems. In other words, if we talked about this in the last show, or maybe I talked about it on my show, um, if you squeeze the juice out and you don't leave the fiber in, mm-hmm. in other words, if you go to a juicy ladies or you have a, 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 you know, a machine at home that squeezes the juice out, yeah, you're getting all the phytonutrients, but you're also getting just a big spike of sugar onto your liver, which can cause an insulin response. And as we know, the only way to get diabetes is when you keep getting an insulin response over and over and over to where your body doesn't respond anymore. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I would agree that, uh, you know, if you're juicing a lot, that you're getting a lot of sugar. But I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody who's contracted type 2 diabetes because they were juicing all the time. There was a study out just recently. <laughs> no, that, that was a recent study where they were, they were showing vegans or vegetarians. I don't know if it was vegetarians or vegans. Uh, and there is a big distinction where they were, they were showing problems. Well, there's unhealthy vegans too. It's like vegan, that can mean a lot of different things. So. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the problem lies somewhere in between. And again, we're not scientists. We're just two guys sitting in, you know, Mulholland Highway talking. We shouldn't say where you are. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Sorry. I'll beep it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just two guys sitting in a garage right now. Yeah, sitting in Southern California. Two guys. We're just two yeah. guys that like to ride our bike and like to feel good and, and, and maybe are speaking out of school a little bit too much. Yeah, you know, because there's too many studies either way. And, and again, that's where the confusion is. You know, it's, you know, people don't know what to do. And you, you said something earlier that if, you know, if people take the partial message of, oh, Vinny says I have to eat a lot of fat and I'm going to lose weight that way, and they only take the partial message and they keep eating ice cream and they keep eating junk, you're absolutely right, man. They're going to have a big problem. Yeah. I mean, my thing is, how do you create a long-term sustainable 
lifestyle, dietary, fitness solution that will work within the construct of your life, understanding that we're all busy, uh, where we don't have to all, you know, turn our kitchens into biohacking laboratories and move on with our lives and be healthy and know that we're doing the right thing for ourselves. And I think half-truths and partial messages that get, you know, we're all fallible, we're all human, we make mistakes and, and doing, you know, nobody does a diet perfectly. And we're in an extraordinary healthcare crisis at the moment. Yeah. People are more sick than ever. The obesity rates are through the roof. It is ridiculous. And so for me, it's an elementary thing of, look, you know, you want to feel better? Just eat a plant-based diet. It's, it'll solve all your problems. It will help to uh, combat the onset of all of these diseases that are plaguing us unnat- unnecessarily. Uh, and which are in many ways food-borne illnesses, food and, lo- and lifestyle-borne illnesses yeah. that are easily treatable, reversed, or prevented with proper diet, right? And then, then we get into all these differences of diet, et cetera. So, you know, we start splitting hairs. But, <clears throat> you know, I think that people, people want to hear that it's okay for them to eat bacon and eggs for breakfast. Well, people, they love it. And, they, they, they and that's a big reason why these diets are popular because, you know, people are, they want to know that they can do what they like doing and that it's good for them. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair Trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, 
gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. People want to eat something with total impunity. I talk about that in the book a lot. You know, they're always saying to me, what's the one thing that I can just eat all the time? Uh, and there is not the one thing you can eat all the time. Um, I found over the years that, you know, when people eat sugar, and I'm not talking about plant-based versus, you know, processed processed versus low-carb. When people eat sugar, it becomes an addiction. It becomes this, I have some sugar, I want more sugar. Sugar wants sugar. You, you know, if you didn't eat the candy bar, you won't think about the candy bar. Uh, but when you're eating these big, when you're getting these big sugar spikes, you want more of it. So if you have a box of Cracker Jacks at your desk, you know, and you say, well, I'm just going to eat half of it. I'm going to eat the rest later. Well, if it's sitting at your desk, you're going to eat the whole thing. You you Mm -hmm. can't not do it. Very few human beings can stop because once you have that sweet tooth going, your body's going to want more and more and more. And since we burn that sugar so fast, your body's going to be craving it. Your brain's now craving it. Right, and that addiction is rooted in, you know, emotions. Uh, it's, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, and it's biochemical. It has to do with the microbial ecology in your gut. It's very complicated. And this is where I get into my issues with the whole cheat day concept. You know, uh, Tim Ferriss and his slow-carb diet says you can have one day a week where you can knock yourself out and, eat, and eat whatever you want. And for me, and maybe this is my bias because I kind of approach it or come, come to this from an, an addiction recovery perspective because that's my experience, uh, that as long as you have that cheat day, that will continue. You will, you will remain a prisoner to those foods that you crave because you're never actually breaking that cycle of craving and you're never really free. So if once a week you know you can eat ice cream or you know you can eat that one thing that you're not supposed to eat, you're going to spend the whole week thinking about that until you get that fix and then waiting another week until you get it again. And if you could just break that cycle and free yourself from that, you might have 10 days of discomfort, but then you'll be free from that craving and you won't really think about it that much anymore. You know, th- you you talk about your alcoholism because you talked about it in the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be like telling an alcoholic that once a week they can drink all they want. Oh, to are drink. you kidding? You know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I know most alcoholics would go, yeah, you know, I can do that. Right. Not most, but the ones that could would. It, you know, it's it's the same sort of thing. You know, you can't. I, that I would quickly devolve into you know into twice a week and then three times a week you and then twenty four hours a day. Yeah, it never ends. And then, um, I'd be out in the gutter pretty quick. No, keep, keep not drinking, yeah. man. We, we like you better like <laughs> yeah. this. I, I got to tell you, much better. I didn't know you before, but you know, I no, have a family trust member, me, and it's, uh, uh, it's not it's not good. Um, you know, here's where I fall off the page with the Tim Ferriss types, 
And when I say Tim Ferriss, I'm, I'm saying Tim. I'm not saying his types. Uh, in, in a weird sort of way, you could throw Ben into that group and, and Dave, Dave Asprey. Uh, I don't believe in trickery. And that's trickery. And, and that's what I talk about in the book. You see, I don't, I don't look at veganism as being trickery. That's a lifestyle that people can live on. That's why when people, you know, some of your fans listen to my show now and they go, oh my God, mm-hmm. you don't hate vegans. No, I don't. Right. It's but somebody tweeted me and said that you said on your show that you never met a healthy vegan. Yeah. And the first, I take that personally. Yeah, and, they, and the first tweet I got right after that show was, what about Rich Roll? <laughs> and I didn't even remember saying that in the show. I, I've never gone back to listen. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is, is that I don't have a problem with veganism because it's not trickery. It's a lifestyle. Vegetarianism is a lifestyle. Um, but when you have the Tim Ferrisses in the world, you know, his whole deal is how do we, how do we get away with something? You know, four well, hour work week was that. How do we get 80% of the results with 20% of the work is kind of his equation that yeah. informs all of his books. It's sort of like, you know, uh, how, how can we achieve most of the results with the least amount of effort or work? And he's always been that guy. Do you know how Tim made his first dollar in this business? Supplements. He, well, he, he was, was a, selling. He was, a he was selling guy, a bullshit supplement that, if you took it, it was called Brain Quicken, and I think he's divorced himself from that now because he tried to be, you know become more of a a real thing. But Brain Quicken was a product that he guaranteed if you took it will make you smarter. Imagine that you could take a pill and end up on the Mensa list. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know it, it was bullshit, and he knew it, and he's divorced himself from that. I think now. But everything he's done in his life has been exactly what you said. Get 80% of the work done with 20% of, you know, trying to do it. And just to be clear, I've gotten a lot out of his books and his four-hour workweek book, you know, had plenty of tools that, that I found very helpful. And I talked about it in my book too. So same I, here, by I liked, I liked him, you know, so I've never met, I'm not going to agree him? with him and every, no, I've never met him. He, he was, I've had emails back and forth with him and he was very kind to let me, post a guest blog post on his blog when my book came out. Uh, and the reason that I was connected with him is when he was writing the four hour body, he was looking for some vegan athletes to talk to. And we got introduced and he interviewed me for four hour body. I didn't end up in the book, but that's how I, so, right. but I've never met him in person, but he's been, he's been cool to me. I have no, I have no problem. With I, I don't have a beef with him either. I, as a matter of fact, I go to his website to learn how to, push my own book that's coming out. Yeah, and what's great about him is he's so free with the information that he's learned, right. whether it's through book publishing or biohacking or whatever it is, you know, 90% of it is freely available on his website. And the same thing, when my book was getting ready to come out, I studied all of his blog posts on how he, you know, the tools that he leveraged to market his book. And I found it very, very helpful. And by, by the way, same here. Uh, I'm I'm combing his site because I have that book coming out, mm-hmm. and but still with all that, you know I I don't believe in shortcuts in life, and these guys are offering shortcuts, and I, I just fundamentally have a problem with it. To um, be fair, though, don't you think that on on some level, in all honesty and objectivity, isn't ketosis sort of a shortcut? I mean, it's it's a way to lose weight, but is it? Is it a is it a healthy lifestyle sustainable lifestyle option? 
You know, before that's my question. I guess before I went into ketosis long term, I used to feel like it was trickery. But living living on ketones, I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to stay in ketosis. You know, eating all the vegetables. But I some people, eat. some people can. I think. I think because you're so sort of not deficient. That's not the that's not the right word. But you're eating so little sugars that that a lot of people from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, start to have these crazy sugar cravings because they're depriving themselves of, of any the, sugars. And then that leads them out of the diet. So you have guys like, who's the, um, living, living the low carb, living uh, Jim, La Vida, Jim, Jimmy Moore, Jimmy Moore. Right. Yeah. So he's been very open and honest about how his weight fluctuates. And that guy, that was a guy who was extremely overweight, lost a ton of weight on, right. a, on a low carb diet but then kind of goes up and down and fluctuates, right? I mean, yeah. is that fair? Yeah, he, he does go up and down. So yeah. why is this? And he's this huge evangelist of the low-carb lifestyle, and yeah, yet he, he seems, he he seems to have a hard time kind of getting a grip on it in his own life. Well, some, some people do. I mean, you know, it's not just the, the physiological effect. It's a psychological effect, and people have problems. Uh, I don't know Jimmy well enough. We, we've only talked on the phone several times. I was on his show recently. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, I'm hosting his show in, in April. He's asked me to guest host one of his uh, Living La Vida Low Carb shows. Um, I, I don't know how that works. You know, there's a psychological effect. And, and speaking to that, you're absolutely correct. Because, you know, Atkins, you know, we know a lot of people will go on Atkins and they'll lose 40 or 50 pounds really fast. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're off of Atkins and they're weighing 80 and pounds they more rubber than band, they, Yeah, they rubber, they rubber band, band right seriously back. in the wrong direction and, afterwards. And you're right. If you take the Tim Ferriss approach, as we were talking about, and you're using something for a quick fix and you're not willing to do it as a lifestyle, then you have a problem. And, and I also think that there's a distinction between, I mean, most people go on a diet to lose weight. They're not doing right. it because they want to have a long-term healthy lifestyle solution. And so there's this notion of it being temporary and it's all about the scale and what that number is and, yeah. and all of the data and kind of criteria for evaluating the success or lack of success of this protocol is based upon how much weight is lost versus how do you feel? You know, what are the rest of your numbers like? Are you able to sustain this? And when I look at the advocates of a low-fat plant-based diet, the Neil Barnards of the world or whatever, they're all very lean and healthy looking. Right. Their weight doesn't go up and down at all. They look the same as they looked 15 years ago. And, and, and by the way, they're the extremes. Like I, sure, I'm the I understand. on my side. They're the extreme on their side. But there's a lot of people. We're talking about the people in between. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who... Be, are you know, confused. One week, one week they're vegans. The next week they're low carb people. The next week they're vegans again. Right. And that's that's where the and that's why you and I sitting across the table from each other confuses them even more. Right. Well, there's 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 this huge there's a huge demand yeah. for for guys like you and me to sit across from each other. Right. And and bang this out. And then when we do it. People say, "Well, now I'm more confused than ever." Yeah, you know and that's what, I mean? what happened last time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but by the way, folks, we're not trying to confuse <clears throat> any of you guys. As a matter of fact, I need to bring you back on my show so that my fans can hear you talking about the same conversation. Right. But I thought you said you've never met a healthy vegan, yeah, and we he? can bring that up. Right. Anna would look at you and go, "Yeah, I want to do something to that healthy yeah. vegan right now." Anytime. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. 
Now, we, we want to have you back on. Um, so I got to talk to Anna about yeah, when cool. we can bring you in. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's where the problem lies. People, people want to hold on to one thing. You know, people want to be a member of a team. There, well, I talk about this a lot on the podcast as well. You want to be a member of a team that you can get rah rah behind, that you can cheer behind, and there's a community aspect of sure. that, and that's all very human and understandable. And I get that uh, uh, completely. Um, you know, people just want to be told the straight story. Just tell me, just tell me what it is, and I'll do it. You know, and I guess it's not so simple as that. I have my yeah, point of it- view. You have your point of view. We're not, I'm, you know, I can convince you of certain things and you can convince me of certain things, but at the end of the day, I'm going to, tonight, I'm going to eat the way that I always eat. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to eat the way you always <laughs> exactly. eat. You know what I mean? And we'll go out on a bike ride and we'll, you know, shoot the shit and still have a good time. And, and but, I'm but good you know, with that. And, and neither diet is correct. I mean, you know, whenever I walk, I'll go over to the commons and I'll sit at King's and I'll start eating and, and so, Hey, you're, you're, you're eating a salad. It's like, yeah, I eat a ton of veggies. You know, that's, that's where the, the confusion mm-hmm. sets in, is that people don't understand that you can stay low carb and eat a shitload of veggies. Right. I mean... Well, let me ask you this, and this will get us into, you know, a, some new terrain for us. But when I read the China study, I was pretty convinced by this compelling argument that there is a link between animal protein and the onset and growth of cancer cells. So it confounds me whenever I see somebody who has undergone chemotherapy or suffered, you know, the terrible trauma of cancer and is on the other side of it, who is not embracing a plant-based diet. Because to me, and based upon what I'm read, what I've read, it's, it's so compelling that I, I have a hard time seeing it otherwise. And, and you, I want to hear your story and, and kind of hear your journey through that. I've read the China study, um, and um, the, the, the key problem to that is uh, they take a lot of poetic license. Uh, the study wasn't exactly the way, uh, as a matter of fact, I think Peter Atia talks about it in his blog a bunch. Um, do, do you talk about Peter Atia on this show? At, at I haven't. I'm aware that there are people that have attempted to debunk the China study, and I talked about that with James Wilkes in the, in the last episode. Um, his opinion on that. And he's spent thousands of hours reading thousands of studies. And he just said that he did not find the, 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 de- the debunking of the China study to be compelling. So, and you see, that's where we differ because I did find it compelling. Um, and, and even before I read any of the studies, the problem I had with it, the inherent problem I have with everything coming from a, a, a school that, that's steeped in science is that, it was a study of thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people. How many people were studied in that study? I don't know exactly, but it was, it was a lot. This was not a small study. It was a study of a huge population of people that lasted for a very long time. Yeah. And to me, that makes it more compelling. That, that's what take, you see, that's where we differ. That's where, that's where it falls off the page for me because being from a scientific school where you're always doing double blind studies you come to learn that unless you have a double-blind study, you have nothing. And when you have millions of people who just walk around and they're not housed in any way, shape, or form, or are controlled in any kind of form, then the whole study is just out the window. You can, you can make those numbers become whatever you want those numbers to become. And 
this study was done, as you said, over years and years and years, decades, I think, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Yeah. I read that book a while back. And it was done with thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. So there's no way you can actually pull a real study from the China study. And that's the problem I had reading the book. And then everything I've read after that to debunk it, I kind of agree with because it's already in, in, there. In fairness, that. I mean, a double blind study. So you're going to have another 100,000 people eating that's a different, only, a different way. way you could, but then you'd have to deal with a, different, diff, a completely different culture and with their cultural mores that get played into it. I mean, you couldn't conduct a study of, with that many people on that scale and make it double blind. So right. I think you have to look at it and go, well, there's some seriously powerful correlations going on here. Let me think about this. I mean, did it, you can't read it and, and not at least rethink but, what's know, all, going all on. I mean, to say, books, you can't just say, uh, well, this is ridiculous and throw it out the window. Y- y- and you see, I can because that, that's, that's where the discrepancy is. It's, it's too big a study and it's done over too many years and it just, it doesn't, Hold water. All right, well, let me ask you this. Just reading the book, before I read any outside studies, the the entire book, because, you know, when you have cancer, boy, you want to read everything. Of course. And, you know, you read that and you go, yeah, I can't buy it. I can't buy it at all. It it, it was just, it's it's the same as you brought up that movie uh, with the two doctors that have both been kicked out of their universities. um, Forks Over Knives. Forks Over Knives. Well, that is the doctor of the China study. Right. That's Dr. Esselstyn and, and T. Colin Campbell is his name, the author and, of the China study. You know, the, the, you know I, I'm not a forks over knives guy. You know, I, I, have tr- I, I have a lot of trouble with that movie. See, I don't. You know, but you see, I, I, we see it through different eyes. Uh-huh. And, and that's, where, that's where the problem... As a matter of fact, there, yeah, I don't know why I had some... I'd have to go back and watch Fork Over Knives again, but I had right. a lot of problems. The, the one that threw me off, I can't remember the... Food Inc. Food Inc. really threw me for a loop because when you watch that, you don't know what to think anymore. It's like, okay, I'm just not going to eat anymore. You know, they make you think that anything you eat, whether it's a vegetable or a meat or a beef product or everything is bad in that study. Well, so it, we, it's, we just, up- it's, pulling, it's, it's, it's just pulling the, the curtains on factory farming in general. It's sort of a, so it's, an inter- farm- it's an introduction to where, you're, where the food that you find in the supermarket comes from, how it's yeah. positioned to speak to you on a marketing level, and how the system is set up for, to prevent you from having any understanding or connection to where it comes from. And that movie was great at saying, well, let's go behind the scenes here and let's take a, a look at where these chickens are raised and right. how they're treated and how the farmers are treated, how they become indentured servitudes to, the, you know, the Tysons Which of the world. Which was horrible, by the way. Right. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a country. I, I didn't grow up in L.A. And, um, you know, I, I saw where meat came from in two different fashions. We would go pick our cow. We, we were that family because it was four boys and we had to eat a lot of meat. So, you know, we would journey off with my parents and we'd go to one of those farms and pick a cow. And then my mom would write down how she wanted these steaks to be cut and those steaks because the cuts matter. And it was a lot cheaper for a middle-class family to do that. So we actually got to see where meat came from, which is pretty cool. We actually saw where eggs came from because... We went down, there's this black lady right down the street. I don't know why I had to say she was black, but <laughs> in the South, that's what you do. There was this woman down the street who raised chickens, and we would get the fresh eggs from that. And, of course, uh, I, I've chopped heads off of chickens, so I've 
I've seen that and I've done that. And I was a hunter until I was 19 years old, until I stopped. Uh, and the only reason I stopped was, and this is going to sound cocky as hell, but I became too efficient with a gun and I didn't feel like it was a sport anymore. Uh, my feeling was the animal didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, you know, I do have that, that thing with animals. I have such a respect for animals. Um, if you remember in the last podcast, I thought your dog was running out right. in the street and I was Weird. like jumping out of my chair to go get your dog. And that I have that kind of respect to where I felt like the animal, it wasn't a sport anymore. The animal didn't have a chance. I quit hunting, but I still eat meat. Um, so yeah, I, I personally, I know where meat comes from. And I do believe in organic farming. I do believe in getting fruit and vegetables locally when you can. We fall prey to Ralph's. I don't know if you do, but we sometimes if you need vegetables for that day mm-hmm. and you don't have time to go anywhere else and there's no farmer's market that's open, we walk right into Ralph's. Right. Or we walk right into um, uh, Smart and Final because they have a good array of vegetables. But we try to eat. You know, Serena grew up the same way. They had a cow. They would actually, and she raised her cow. Mm-hmm. So her cow had a name before right. It went to and I appreciate, out. you know, the desire to get back to that. But yeah, at the same time, we live, you know, as Food Inc. so, you know, powerfully demonstrated, we're, we live in a different society with a very different system. And it's incumbent upon us to vote with our dollars and maybe spend the extra few bucks to go to the farmer's market to get the produce or whatever it is you're going to get so that it's locally grown and, and, and the like. Um, I think that's important, but just to get back to this whole meat question and forks over knives and all yeah. of that, cause I, I, I'm still stuck on this one thing, which is as somebody who, who has suffered through cancer and by your own words say, you know, you know, it's coming back or you think it's going to come back. No, oh no, uh, there's a 100% chance. It's a 100% chance. I want to yeah. talk about that in a second. Um, even if you didn't find Forks Over Knives compelling or the China study compelling, I think you'd be hard-pressed to make out an argument that eating meat is going to have a positive impact on your body's ability to combat the return of your cancer. So wouldn't it be worth just trying it out and saying, maybe, maybe there is something to this plant-based diet. You know, I'm, I'm staring down the barrel of my cancer returning. What can I do to do everything in my power to be best prepared for that or to combat it or to prevent it? And as your friend, as somebody who cares about you, you know, a lot. You just need a riding partner. <laughs> no, listen, you know. Seriously. Right. You know, I mean, you could say, well, I don't, I didn't buy the China study, but there isn't any studies out there that say if you're eating grass fed beef or meat, this is going to help you with cancer. Is there? Um, here's what I'm basing it on. And, um, I was told once my cancer was in remission, um, I had a lot of cancer in me at the time. Uh, I had leukemia, and 80% of my bone marrow was leukemia. And what, so let's, let's, well, let's just lay the foundation here a little bit. Okay. Let, let's go back and, and tell us what happened. 
Um, I was uh, getting ready for the 508 for a bike race. And that entire year, I kept getting sick. I, I was getting sick for about a year. A guy that never got sick, and it was all phantom illnesses. Like I would have like a stomach cramp, the kind that would just, I would be doubled over in pain and brought to a doctor and, you know, by a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at all, all hours of the night, uh, I was always cold. I was more cold, you know, not like today. I was always cold, even on 100-degree days. There were weird things happening, and I kept chalking it up to, you know, just I'm training a lot, 30 hours in a saddle every week. Yeah, you're not going to feel good when you're... You're not going to feel great all the time. I'm getting older. I, I, you know, I use that excuse. I used every... I'm thinner than I used to be. I was getting real thin. I was down to 150 some odd pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really crazy things were going on. I just kept chalking it up to everything else. And then finally, I, I had a blood test. And that blood test revealed, you know, that I needed more blood test and that revealed that I needed a bone marrow biopsy and that revealed that you need to get chemo tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like what year was this? This was, um, Oh six or Oh seven, Oh seven. Right. And, uh, I, I, uh, I got chemo pretty quickly, mm-hmm. like literally within two days. It was a, no, we can't wait a week, you, you know, and they had to put me on just a, a crap load of, of chemotherapy for a long, like they told me either we're going to cure you or we're going to kill you with this chemo. As a matter of fact, uh, it was one of Amgen's drugs that they had to give me to combat the chemo right. that they were giving me. Um, and I remember just as a brief caveat, a couple of years ago, maybe in 2009, we were out on a training ride up out in the mountains and just you and I riding. And there was a guy up ahead who was wearing an Amgen cycling kit. Amgen yeah. is a big pharmaceutical company that is uh, headquartered locally here. Uh, and you rode up to, you just rode up to the guy and started chatting with him and I was behind. And then I caught up to you and, and you, and he had wrote, ridden off and you said, that guy was the guy who was one of the chief scientists who helped develop the drug that saved my life. Yeah. And I think it happened to be that day that we were riding, I think was like maybe the one or two year anniversary for you like there was something significant about that particular day yeah we were riding we call it that little piece of Mulholland leading to that we call cancer right. alley because that's where I was on my bike when I that's got what it was call. you said this is where I this is where I got the call that said and that I, I had the cancer scientist who invented the and drug. that was exactly where we saw that guy who yeah, yeah it was, was kind of it was one of those freaky things that happens in life right and uh, we talk, I talk about all that in the book um and well getting back to it you know I got cured. You know, the, the short story is I got mm-hmm. cured. The chemo worked. The chemo worked. And my doctor said to me, she says, look, here's what happens now. You still have a small amount of leukemia. We can't kill this all the way. We don't have a drug to kill it all the way. And this leukemia is going to grow back. And mm-hmm. she goes, but the good thing is, is that in history, the drug that kills it, there's three drugs that can kill this type of chemo. In history, the drug that killed it before will continue to kill it. Your body works well on the drug. So when it comes back, we could give you the same drug. And she mm-hmm. says the beauty of it is when it comes back, we could catch it earlier so we can give you just a common cold version of this drug. 
and you won't be out of life for six months the way you were. You know, you just, right. you know, we'll give you the chemo. You know, you'll be missing for a week in action. You know, you'll have another week, and then you'll be fine again. And I said, great. When is this going to come back? She said, well, historically, you know, some people have gone ten years. She said, but generally, four or five years is about what you're going to get. Right. And uh, I was like, so great. Every four or five years, I have to, like a car getting a tune-up, you know, I have to go in for an oil change. And I said, Doc, uh, is there anything I can do or eat, any vitamin I can take or any supplement out there that might help me along? And this is, you know, one of the foremost authorities on on hematology at Cedars-Sinai. I happened to get the best because my friend, who's an oncologist, a radio-oncologist, got me the best. I was able to get into with this particular doctor. Mm-hmm. She said, sugar, stay away from sugar. Mm-hmm. And I went, got it. What does that mean? She goes, stay away from sugar. Those people do better. You know, it shows, you know, we, we, we can tell that cancer loves sugar and it will grow from sugar. And that's when I started my campaign of no sugar, no sugar. Right. I was always, as you know, you mentioned in your book, I was always, don't eat too much sugar on the ride guy. Right. You know, if you're going to have sugar, have it for dessert or have, you know, but not when you're riding because it's going right. to screw But you weren't stomach. creating a religion around it like no. you are now. No, And this, um, N- Hashtag NSNG. Yeah. And by the way, <laughs> I, did, I didn't start that, by the way. You didn't. No, one of, one of my people did. So I, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, they're smarter than me. So um, I grabbed the no sugar, no grain thing. And- it works. It works for me. You know, it, you know, I can still have all the vegetables I want. I don't eat as many fruit as I used to eat. I still have my pears. I love pears. I love apples. I have the occasional orange, you know, but most of my fruit are low glycemic index fruits. Um, I'm big on strawberries, big on raspberries, big on blueberries. Mm-hmm. Anything with a berry, I'm big on. The melons have gone out of my life. I, I can't remember the last time I had melon. Um, so all of those type of fruits have gone away. The fruits that have remained, tomatoes, uh, avocados, that, that's remained. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of just having, you know, I, I love vegetables. You know, I grew up in a vegetable garden. So there's, there's not too many vegetables I won't eat. I'm not crazy about, um, geez, I think I like them all. I mean, name a vegetable you don't like. is. I like them all now. Yeah. Did you not like but some I, of them before? Celery. I'm not a celery fan for some odd reason. I don't. Well, get my palate celery. has changed. So things that I wouldn't say there were vegetables that I hated or had a tremendous dislike for, but celery would be something that's like neutral. I'm not going to go out of my way to eat celery, but now I like celery. Do you, would you put it like in a Vitamix and? Blah, oh blah, yeah, uh-huh. and you and you like it. You see, now, it, yeah. to me, it screws up the whole. The Why? whole, I don't know, for some reason, you know, Brussels sprouts I love. Uh huh. You know, some That's people, one that a lot of people don't like. I know. Which I don't get. They're, I don't know. They, they, there's nothing about them that, to dislike, in my opinion. But Well, I used to be so so on them, but as I've gotten older, you know, I love the Brussels sprout. And, you know, right. Uh, but I think in, in addition to the no sugar thing, and I get that, you know, that makes a lot of sense, it would seem to me based upon my understanding that you would want to be eating a very alkaline forming diet that the more alkaline you could make your diet, 
that is creating a an environment uh, in your body that is very disease preventive, um, right. and has been shown, I think, unanimously to be helpful in combating. Uh, everything from the flu to more congenital diseases. So, um, and again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, do your own research. Uh, but when you're eating uh, an alkaline forming diet, it's very anti-inflammatory and inflammation has been connected to all sorts of diseases, protracted chronic inflammation in the body as a result of eating a more acidic diet, which is the standard American diet that causes a lot of inflammation has been linked in, to leading to all sorts of problems. So it would seem to me that that would be your focus. And a lot of those fruits and not all fruits are, are alkaline forming, but a lot of them are, and you know, things that are high in antioxidants, et cetera, would be to my thinking at the top of your list. Yeah. And he, here's where, you know, my, my blood gets checked all the time, mm-hmm. every four months. Uh, and, you know, as you know, I know me, I, I'll go in before four months just to get it checked. Right. And um, my blood is healthier now than it's ever been in my life. Uh, my cholesterol is not raised one bit from all the additional cream and meat and everything else that I eat. Um, my LDLs and HDLs and all of the stuff in between is healthier now. Mm-hmm. Um my triglycerides are off the charts low. Um, you know, my blood looks healthier. And as a matter of fact, one of my clients that we openly talk about, uh, Howie Mandel, he, he's been with me for years. And I was always able to keep him on a low roar as far as not getting, he just didn't want to be fat. Mm-hmm. And Howie's 57 now. And his wife was always against my diet of eating more fat and more meat and more everything else. And Howie is the most neurotic human being on the planet. And he was in seeing his cardiologist. He goes, I think, once every two months to see his cardiologist. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. And he said, look, you know, my trainer's been on me about this, you know, eating more meat, and I'm scared that my heart's going to pop, and, you know, all those other things that overly neurotic people might think. And his doctor agreed with me. So Howie told, finally told Terry, his wife, hey, go screw yourself. I'm going to try this for a while. And he started doing it, and he ended up losing more weight. Now, he's not in ketosis, by the way. He still enjoys sugar once or twice a week. He'll, he'll have a dessert or he'll have a something. And, uh, but for the most part, every time he goes and gets his blood checked, his doctor goes, this is the craziest thing. Your triglycerides are lower, and your HDLs and LDLs are better than they've ever been, and you, you're... And this is a guy who was always battling with just being good enough. But when he hears the cardiologist tell him that he's going to live forever, then he starts to buy into it. And now, I don't know if you've seen him lately, the guy is leaner than he's ever been in his life. He's 57, and he looks younger than he's ever looked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can, you know, that's, you know, you were talking earlier about vegans look better than, you know, the guys eating the high fat. But you can always look at the extremes on both ends, and those people are going to look better anyway. I think the problem that we're having are the people in between who keep juggling back and forth and never get on one plan. They never become vegans or vegetarians, or they never become you know, just these carnivores that are eating all of this meat. 
and that could be where the problem is. Um, but truthfully, I think the problem lies in the fact that we eat too many grains and too many sugars. Somebody tweeted, I think it was Ken for Health, who's always tweeting. Oh, that guy he, tweets uh, a lot. I, I, I like Ken, does. by the way. <laughs> you know, he said, how can I be a... Uh, low fat vegan who doesn't eat sugar or grains. Like, I think he's trying to adopt some kind of hybrid rich program. <laughs> I go, I was going to tweet him back and say, become a breathitarian. Yeah. Just breathe air for your calories. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't eat, I'm not a sweet tooth. I don't eat, I really don't eat sugar, although I do juice and I Vitamix, um, but, but I don't you, go you crazy. Leave, you leave the, the you, you do it all in the Vitamix, right? Or do you use well, a juicer too? Yeah, we just got a new juicer, so I've been doing a little bit more juicing. But the juicing that I do is really green juice. It's very vegetable. So it's based. not high in glycemic. I'll put in some fruit in it, really, just to cut the taste. So they're not super. You know, I'm not juicing like you know ten oranges or the right. like. Um, and I do have some grains. I'll eat brown rice. I'll eat is well, quinoa is a seed, but I guess it's still a grain. You know, I eat things it's like that, grainless. but I'm not, I'm not eating tons of breakfast cereal and oatmeal. And, and that's really because I don't prefer it in the morning. And it feels way, heavy in my stomach too. It is processed. You know, a lot of the grains are processed. So I think I feel that, you know, I'll eat brown rice pasta, which is processed. I'll have that for dinner. Serena I don't. I just too. don't. I don't go overboard on it. Um, but uh, I'm not super low carb in my approach. Uh, but I would say that my diet is comprised predominantly of ve- of vegetables with some grains in it. Well, and I don't eat. And I don't eat. I don't drink sodas, or I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't even have like vegan desserts, like cookies and coconut milk ice cream mainly because I don't really crave it. I'm more of a greasy guy. And that's why you look the way you look. Um, I, you know, I get this question a lot. The, the second, the two biggest vegan questions I get is, number one, what about quinoa? Well, the first biggest vegan question I get is, what about Rich Roll? Mm-hmm. You're saying he doesn't look healthy. That, that might be number one. Number two is, what about quinoa? And number three is, if I eat a grain, which grain should I eat? I always tell people rice. And uh, Dr. Lustig, who is the big... Uh, you He's know, the wheat belly guy? No, no, no. That's different. That's, uh, that's a different guy. Lustig is the guy who finally has a book out, thank God. He was the guy that had that 89-minute video go viral. Um, it's called Sugar, the Bitter Truth. If you guys want to go watch something really cool, he doesn't tell people not to eat vegetables, by the way, and he doesn't tell people to be uh, in dietary ketosis. He just lays it out. He's uh, the foremost authority probably on the planet, in childhood obesity. He's with the UCLA system. Uh, and he talks about why Asians are thin and why they, they're, you know, because the only carb they really eat, the only grain they eat is rice. And rice, if you're going to eat a grain, is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, Serena, uh, my beautiful girlfriend, uh, she, it's the grain she eats. You know, she's a big rice person. She'll, she'll have the rice pastas. The and only she's pasta. a big runner, too. She's a yeah. chi running coach, right? She, 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 if you guys are in L.A., you need a chi running coach. She's right in there. Um, she's a vegan at heart, by the way. She's a vegan yeah. at heart. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. Uh, and by the way, she was a 
Playboy centerfold. Well, she shot she for play, well, She shot for Playboy. She shot for Playboy when she did a movie with um, Bruce Willis. She was in Hostage with Bruce Willis, right? And she shot for Playboy. She got paid like eighty thousand dollars. By the way, we know what you get paid for writing books, right? We uh-huh. we we write books. Yeah. No, all she has to do is show up. Get naked, take a picture. Eighty thousand dollars. They never ran the photos. Really? They never ran them. The show, the movie wasn't as big as they thought it was going to be, and uh-huh. for some reason they went to a different star at the time. But or, she is a Bond girl. She was. Yeah, uh, she was. A, which Bond movie was she in? She was in uh, the World Is Not Enough with uh, that Bond, whoever that Bond was, the good-looking guy. There are very few men walking the planet right now who can <laughs> say that their girlfriend is a Bond girl. Yeah, there's just and a Vinny few is of them. one. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Well, speaking of women, <laughs> whenever I see your wife walking around, I go, how the hell does he get her? I mean, Julie's I one of the most her. beautiful women. Speaking of beautiful women. Thank you. How, really? How did you get her? Did, uh, did you use a, a, an ether rag? Trickery. Or? Yeah. <laughs> t- Tim Ferriss trickery. Yeah, it has to be because yeah. I look at her and I go... Son of a bitch. He must have a cock that's just like a mile long. Uh-oh, we just went uh, explicit <laughs> we just again. again. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, uh, she's quite the lightning rod on the podcast, too. Oh, or she she's would a, have to She's be. a, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's some divisiveness over her participation. But I stand behind her, behind her 100%. Well, what's the deal? Like? Well, Julie's a strong woman, and she speaks her mind. And th- that doesn't always line up with, uh, with everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? You know, I mean, you know her. You yeah, know, that's, what I, I that's t- what I love about I do too. I do too. And for everybody out there, uh, if you have an issue with Julie, uh, you know, I guess I could say I understand why she's not everyone's cup of tea, but I love her and she will remain my co-host on this podcast. And if you have an issue with that, then I guess you can listen to another podcast. And if you're going to listen to another podcast. <laughs> yeah, go listen to Vinny. Uh, you know, we, I hope that you got some new subscribers, by the way. From you know, what, we, we had, a, a, after I was on this show, we had a bump. Good. Let, let me give you some kudos, by good, the way. Good, good. When I went on, you know, you, on Lipson, you know, you can see your bumps and what yeah, happens yeah. and all thing. When I went on Access Hollywood, which is a national program, of course, the very next day I had a huge bump. Right. But the very next day after that, it went right back down to where it was before, just uh-huh. teetering along. I came on your show. I got a bump. Bump never went away. Yeah, buddy. That's the way it happened. Loyal podcast fans. Yeah. Thank you. People who listen to podcasts will listen to other podcasts. That's why I want to have you That's back true. on my show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just to spread no, it's what I said last direction. time to you, which is uh, we have to do what the comedians do. They all do each other's podcasts. Yeah. And I think it all helps all of them grow their audiences. Uh, and I've ended up learning about all sorts, because I listen to a lot of those. I ended up learning about a lot of different guys I'd never heard of, because I don't go, I'm, you know, I don't go to stand-up shows. You know, I don't know what's yeah. going on in comedy, but I find out from those podcasts, which I enjoy listening to. So we have to do the same in the, in the health and fitness yeah, world, I'll, which is if, why if I had- you want to come on this Sunday- I had I'll been on, then you had been on. Now there's, you know, Dave Asprey, and who's got the yeah. Bulletproof Radio. And, you know, we got we to gotta get cohesive here. Yeah, Dave By the way, you haven't, been, you haven't gotten sued yet, have you? No, but they're supposed to sue us all, right? Yeah, I know. I know. If you didn't listen to the the first episode when I had Vinny on, we talked about this thing that's happening in podcast right now with these patent trolls uh, who are latching on to these crazy obscure patents and and suing all sorts of people. Uh, And it's found its way into the podcast world. Adam Carolla, Leo Laporte, some of these people are getting demand letters and are getting sued 
because this troll is claiming he owns a patent that has to do with the distribution of content over the internet. And uh, I don't know. I, on the one hand, I don't want to get sued, but on the other hand, I'm like, well, if you got sued, then you're, then you've arrived. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't think we're big enough. They're going <laughs> yeah, after like the top guys. Of course. And, um, but no, we, we need to have you back on. If you want to come on this Sunday, we can Skype you in. Uh, I think I could, I think, uh, I want to do it in person. There's something about doing it in person. Yeah. You know what I well, mean? I've I done a bunch talk- of Skype. I've done a bunch of Skype ones and they're all, they're all great, yeah. but you know, you don't get the same dynamic when you're sitting across from somebody. Let's, um, let me talk to Anna and see, you know, ours, you know, you'd be running all the way out to the North Valley. You know, we only do it for uh, about a half an hour, but I let, you know, yeah, I'd run I'm happy to do it. We'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to have you on this weekend. Right. Um, what were we talking about? You were before? talking about how you got a bump. You got a bump. Yeah, you got, got a big bump yeah. from you, man. And it was cool. like, wow, look at this. And again, you know, like when I'm on um, Jimmy Moore's show, you get that bump and the bump never goes away. So the key to all of us making it here is just going on other podcasts to, you know, just hock our wares and let people decide if they want to come back and listen or not listen. Or That's right. That's the cool thing about this. We each have our own little pirate ship, man. Yeah. We're independent. Yeah. Let's keep it that way. I love it that way. Right? Me too. Yeah. All right, what's going on with the book? The book is coming out um, in March. And I'm reading it again right now for the first time in like three or four months. Yeah, I I put it aside because it was getting edited and the whole thing. And literally reading it again, I'm still finding like mistakes in it. Like the other day I'm reading through and I went, wait a minute. I got like a passage past the passage and I went... Mm -hmm. I said glycogen, but that should have been glucose. And I'm sitting there going, why didn't the editor case this? And I realized the editor is an editor, and he knows nothing about fitness. So that's happening. But the book is, um, we're excited about the way we're doing it. Did we talk on air as to what we're doing here? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Because I know you and I, when we turned the mics off last time, we talked for another 20 or 30 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't remember what was on Mike and what was Well, we got into a little bit about how uh, the self-publishing is going to work for you and the launch and all of that. So what, yeah. do you, what, do you, what are you lining up here? To, do you have a date yet when it's going to drop? We don't have an actual date because, uh, you know, we just got it back from the editors. And, we, you know, so we're not doing that, that you know, publish your own book approach where you write a book and just throw it up there and it's going to be a piece of junk. I wanted it to be properly edited uh, so we did that, and we're, we're punching in pictures here and there again. Um, and now it goes off to, and I'm teaching the audience, but I'm learning this myself. It goes off to a group, and this is the most expensive part. Uh, this is costing several thousand dollars. We're having it formatted for every different type of format it could be on. Like Nook. Digital, you mean, yeah, yeah Nook, digital, Kindle, and Nook, all of that. Kindle. Right. And it needs to be formatted in paperback and hardcover. So... We're doing all of that up front. So when the book comes out, you will be able to buy it. Amazon, Nook, Kindle, you know, hardcover, softcover, whatever you want will be available. It's going to all be different prices. And of course, I'm going to have to do an audio book. I don't want to do it myself. Oh, come on. The radio host guy and the whole thing? I know. I know. I and just, you could do it for no money. You have the studio. You got the chop. You have to do it. Listen, l- let me tell you. You I'll did d- it. You did a great job. I don't think I'm that good. You have to read your own book. You'll, you'll regret it if you don't. And in my case, my publisher was sort of discouraging me from doing it and saying, you don't want to do it. It's a lot of work, blah, blah, blah. 
And uh, I kind of back-channeled it to make it happen. <laughs> Actually, Twitter played a part in that because really? Black, Blackstone Audio, who bought the audiobook rights to the book, uh, tweeted something about how they had acquired the rights to my book. And I tweeted them back and said, and said something snarky like, you're not going to let me read it? Because my publisher said in the contract, they had no obligation to use me. Yeah. And my editor was like, they probably, you know, they, we're on a, we're on a, we got to fast track this thing. Cause this deal just happened. The book's coming out. They need a pro because they got to bang this thing out. We don't have a lot of time. So, you know, just forget it. I said, okay. Cause I don't know anything better. But then I sent Blackstone like a sort of half comic, half snarky tweet. Like what, you know, you don't trust me to read my own book or something like that. And then like a day later, I got an email from the guy who runs the company who said, Hey, you want to read this? You can read it if you want. So it's that disconnect between the publishing house and the other people or whatever. And so long story short, I finagled my way into doing it. And then I thought, and then I, and then I went to start recording it. And then I thought, what have I got myself into? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> it took a long time sitting in a sweaty, you know, tiny little booth oh. doing it. But now I'm so glad that I did it. It's like a, it's a once in a lifetime thing, man. You have some I'm other just, idiot I'm read your book. Good at live, even though it's my word. But it doesn't matter because you read it and then literally like I would read a sentence and then every other sentence I'd screw up and you just back it up. You have somebody who knows what they're doing and then they go, okay, say that line again, say that line again. And then you just get through it, man. And when you're on the other side of it, you'll be like, I can't imagine I was thinking about having someone else read How many book. hours did you spend in that booth? It was like three or four days of, you know, a good maybe five or six hours in the booth. See, I mean, it was, it was work for sure, but it's, you know, come on, man. It's your book. Oh, fuck, man. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know, I might- And you know what? Here's, here's another reason. Because it creates, it strips away another layer that allows you to more authentically and emotionally connect with your audience and the readers and the people that are interested in you and your story. You know what I mean? They know they're getting you. You're reading it the way that you intended to write it and the way that it's intended to be heard. And if you have somebody else read it, you're going to you're gonna listen to it and go, that's not what I meant or that's not the inflection that I was thinking when I wrote that sentence. Did Serena put you up to this? No, not at all. Read. I have a strong opinion on this. You know, And it is, it is work, but when you're on, uh, trust me, a year from now, you're going to think, what, I couldn't go into a booth for a couple of days and read my own book? That, that's not, you know, when, when, I, when I downloaded your book um, to, to read, to, to listen to, I, I got the audio. I, um, as soon as, you know, the audio you thought, started. Man, I'm not doing what he did for my book. I'm going to get somebody who knows how to read. Well, no, the first words came, it's like by Rich Rowe, read by Rich Rowe. I went, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got to sit here and listen to this guy for the next several. And then five minutes in, I was like, of course he should read this book. I mean, this is you did a great job. And I remember thinking at the time, I can't do this. I can't, he's done a great job. Sure you I can. can't do this. Because I'm scared I'm gonna lose the you had inflection and you spoke well and I have this. Listen, kind of you're you're accent. the one with the radio background who's been doing a who's done ninety episodes of a podcast. You spend half your day sitting in front of a microphone I know, and you're not gonna read your read own book. Anything. It's like I'll sit here and go. Starbucks. I'm reading off a Starbucks cup right now, folks. I can't read anything. No, it's just like public speaking. It's almost like, you know, I did it with an, with the, the book was on an iPad that was set up in front of me and you can make the type big. You make it like a teleprompter. 
and just read what all you have to do is read one sentence at a time and then you could take a breath because the engineer knows how to See, that's what do I'm worried about that. is that I'm you don't have to read it through and like you know and you're breathing oh, and you running see, out of that's back. what i was worried about no no no, no you're no. giving me information so in yeah. other words if i read let's say my I'll, and i have i can hook you up with the guy who did who did mine he's lives out in the valley he's got a studio in his house and he all just right. bangs out these audio books if i was reading that over there it says rejecting middle age become one of the world's fit uh, you see, I screwed it up already. I well, can't then you just stop Be- and you back it up, and the guy goes, "No problem, just read it again, read it again, read it again." And discovering myself, right. finding ultra by ritual. I mean, I don't. I you can do it. I'm, I'm so not. Self- I'm not going to let you not read your book. I'm so self conscious about. So hook me up with your guy. Maybe I will I'll, for sure. Because uh, we, you know, is is hanging over my head like a like a ton of bricks, and I don't. Unless you're going to have Howie Mandel read it. I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if he'd do a better read than me. No, you got to read your own book. Come on, man. All right, we got to talk about something else or wrap right, it yeah, up we're, because we're, gonna, we're losing subscribers yeah, by the second here. All the people you got now, I know, now they're, they're all leaving. Like, seriously? So what have we learned today about vegans versus carnivores? Right, here's the thing. It's going to be the same thing. Like, now I'm more confused than ever. But here's what... Look, Vinny and I, I sound like a, bro- a broken record, but you know we, we have different perspectives. That doesn't mean that we can't be friends and, and riding partners. He has his view. I have my view. I feel strongly about uh, my program and protocol, or I wouldn't have written a book about it. Vinny feels the same way about his, or he wouldn't be about to release a book that he's written about it. Uh, and you know, that's the way that it is. But I think that there, if you look at it like a Venn diagram with a couple overlapping circles, there's quite a bit of overlap in what we're saying. And I think it starts with how we open the podcast, get rid of the sodas, get rid of the processed foods, get rid of the snacks, the sugary stuff, all of that stuff. Uh, In terms of grains, most of the grains that find their way into the standard American diet are highly refined what does that mean? It means they're stripped Big of any, anything nutritious in them. Uh, if you are not in a position where you're ready to let go of grains completely, then make sure you're, you're eating a whole grain or a sprouted, preferably a sprouted grain. If you want to get super hardcore, you can sprout your own grains in your house. Uh, do you guys but, do that? Uh, do you we do some grains? sprouting. Well, I sprout, we sprout things like mung beans. Yeah. You know, well, it's pretty it's easy. easy to yeah, do. Yeah, it's right? easy to do. You just put it in a container and put a little water on it and let it sit there. Rich, was it um, Ken who, who asked a question about how he could get more fat into a vegan diet? I don't think we answered that question. I think he was saying, how do I, how do I eat a vegan diet and not eat sugar and not eat grains? Yeah. Uh, yeah, geez. Um, it, it's almost impossible, but... Right, well, he's basically what he's saying is, I want to take, take what Vinny's saying, I want to take what Rich is saying and combine it into one thing. And you could get pretty close. Basically, yeah. you could take what Rich is saying and just cut the grains out and you're there. And what you need to add in is a ton more of vegetable fat, meaning... Well, you can it, eat, you can eat uh, yeah, you can eat avocados, you can eat potatoes, you can eat sweet potatoes, you can eat lots of beans. I eat like lots of legumes. You know, there's a way to fill that, fill that yeah, gap. Yeah. Personally, I don't think it's really an issue to have some brown rice uh, in your diet. Vinny may disagree with that. I don't <clears throat> mind, you know, if you're going to, like I said earlier, if you're going to have a grain, make sure it's rice, mm-hmm. you know. 
But don't make it a staple. And I talk about that in the book because we don't talk about ketosis at all in the book. Yeah, spoiler alert, there's mm-hmm. nothing about ketosis in a book. It's basically no sugar, no grain. But we talk about if you're going to have it, have small amounts. Um, and I think the way I described it in the book, not I think, I know because, fuck, I wrote the book. When I was a kid, you know, we had a big piece of fish on the plate or a big piece of meat or there was something substantial on the plate. Then my parents always put vegetables, some kind of vegetable on the plate. And then if we had pasta or rice, it was just a dollop next to it. It was like this filler. And I remember that if we didn't have that, we had bread with dinner, but it wasn't both. I think what's happened in America's, you know, not just America, but all over the world, now you'll go to a restaurant, you'll, you'll eat at home, it'll be a big giant pile of pasta it's just a little tiny meatball or something on the side. You know, the whole thing has just, you know, reversed itself. And that's where the problem starts. Well, I actually think that it's, I have a different take on that. I think that it's become a giant pork chop or a giant steak with a tiny little salad on the side and, and maybe, you know, a little couple pieces of sauteed spinach. Where the meat dish has become the predominant entree as opposed to the side dish. And I think if you look at uh, Asian cultures or you look at the way that, uh, you know, we sort of evolved more historically, meat was a treat, right? It was something that was hard to come by and was special. And so you would have a plate that proliferated with vegetables and then you'd have a little bit of meat and that was the delicacy. And I think that that's, what's been reversed. Now you see, I see it differently <laughs> point right. counterpoint. Um, you know, I, I see it as the grains that, that have taken over the plate. Um, every time we go anywhere, you know, I see what people are getting on their plates and it's not a whole lot of meat. It's not a whole lot of vegetables. There's a big pile of either rice or, um, or pasta. You know, go to any restaurants, big giant pile of, of some kind of grain there. And you're right, the vegetable does get squeezed out, and I think the meat gets squeezed out too. Um, at least, you know, I, go I don't think the meat's to, uh, getting squeezed. We're eating more meat than ever. I think people are eating meat like crazy. I don't, I don't see where they're you know? eating enough. Um, <laughs> when I go over, what's that restaurant in the corner of the Commons? Uh, not, not King's, but the other corner. Um, oh, uh, Marmalade. Uh, Marmalade. When I walk into Marmalade, they think I'm a freak because I'll order a hamburger patty or I'll get the fish. And I'll ask them to bring it without, you know, the bread if I get the hamburger patty or I'll get a piece of fish. And then I'll say, can you bring me, they'll say two side dishes. I'll say, I'd like to have broccoli. And they'll say, what's your other side dish? I said, I want that to be broccoli too. And they'll say, well, sir, you could get two different side dishes, meaning they're getting ready to push the grain. All I want is more, I want fish and I want vegetables. I don't want grains on my plate. I just want what I want. And that's where the problem starts. It's almost like they push it on you, not because they're trying to push the cheap stuff. They can't imagine people not eating that stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, when I go in there for breakfast, I order steamed spinach and a side of tomatoes. So if you want to see them really look look at you weird, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is the egg white omelet. That, that, that's something else that drives me nuts. People, oh, I'm on a diet. Give me the egg white omelet. Well, geez, why would you get rid of the only nutritional part of the egg? You know, the part that has all of the nutrition, they just throw right out. 
and well, I have a it's problem. where the cholesterol is. And cholesterol is not bad for you. I know. And now we're going around the merry-go-round <laughs> again. You know. That's what I love about coming up here. So did we resolve anything? No, I don't, I don't no. think, of course not. You know? We just caused a lot more people Now to people fight. are really frustrated. By the way, you know, you were talking about Julie a minute ago and someone, you know, people sent bad comments. Uh-huh. I had Serena on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I think I have some of your audience because I never had a bad comment on iTunes, but all of a sudden I got a couple of threes and fours. Right. Out of nowhere. And I don't, I don't understand the three. Either you like someone or you don't like someone. How do you give them a three? You know? Actually, the threes are, are the ones that cause me the most consternation because if somebody gives you a one, I just go, well, either, either you know, they're not hearing what I'm hearing or we're, he's just not the right person for this right. show. That's fine. And they move on. You know, and they move on. But a three is sort of like, I kind of like him, but I want him to be different. I don't know. Listen, you know. Would you write a review to give a guy a three? If you were going to give a review, you would either say, I love this guy or I don't like this guy. But the, the person, one of the two people that gave us a three, hated Serena. Right. And said as much in the comments, like, uh, I like this show, but... She said something bad about the people at Lululemon. We had a bad experience at Lululemon, and Serena right. was talking about it. You know, she couldn't have her own opinion. And she was, how could you say that about those girls? And it's like, well, because she had an opinion. They treated mm-hmm. her like crap. They treated me like crap. Right. We talked about it. That's what's cool about these shows. You can walk on and say, hey, I was treated badly at Lululemon. What's wrong with saying that? Right. You know? Well, I think the, the great thing about this medium is that we can have these long-winded conversations that maybe at times meander, but provides a safe forum for people to express their opinions. And the goal is not to uh, necessarily push a certain agenda. It's to have an open discourse and a forum for ideas to get bantered about. And that means that ideas are going to get raised and discussed that, some people don't agree with or maybe have very strong opinions about one way or the other. And that pushes people's buttons. And I think in Julie's case, you know, she has some strong opinions about certain things that are controversial and that, that, what are those things? (laughs) No, we're not going to get into all of that because we're going to get dragged down into the mud, but we got, you know, we had, we, you know, and then there's a lot of people that thought it was fantastic. And then there's some people that weren't so crazy about it and felt compelled to write, nasty emails in which they decided they were going to call my wife a bunch of names. And so okay. I don't know how that translates into me being receptive or, or responsive. Um, I'm fine with having comments up on the site that are critical as long as they're constructive. But when they start to go into the gutter and start to call names, then I'll pull them down. So it's yeah. been, it's been uh, interesting navigating that. And I think that also it's, it's somewhat due to the fact that, you know, the podcast is advertised as a health and fitness podcast right. and people come and they have an idea. Maybe they read my book or they've heard something about me. So they develop a, an idea of who this person is and what they're going to talk about. And then they project that. And then when the podcast or whatever they're hearing doesn't necessarily match up with that, it causes a reaction. Sometimes yeah. it's positive and sometimes it's negative. So it's been interesting to kind of, gauge that as we go forward. Well, you know, the cool thing with podcasts is that people can comment and we can read those comments and get an idea. You know, when I was on terrestrial radio, you just didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, 
people would vote by listening or not listen, and you know the ratings would only come out once every three months. And you know, if you got a bad rating, it could have been based on the last show you did, and you just have no idea. So you lived and died by those ratings, right? But but for me, this is and will always remain an authentic expression of who I am. Like I don't want to direct or redirect the podcast based upon somebody's, you know, negative reaction to a particular show or an issue. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I just want to have interesting people on and it's not always going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's totally cool. You yeah. know, I'm not looking to get the most ears I can. I'm just looking to collect an audience that's interested in the things that I'm interested in. And I understand that it's not for everybody and I'm totally okay with that. But I'm not going to change what I'm doing because, you know, somebody said something that made somebody upset. You know, you, you really do have to have some tough skin. And yeah, always, to, you know, I don't have to. And I don't have to tough skin. You. you know, I don't like reading those comments. I, I mean, the response has that. been overwhelmingly positive. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's been amazing, you know, and I love doing this and all of that. But every once in a while you get some negative comments and you go, okay, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to let that change what I'm doing or do I feel, do I have the conviction to stay true to what it is that I'm doing and what I want to be doing? And, and you have to, I mean, otherwise, what are you doing it for? I mean, right. So you're doing the right thing. Yeah. If you want to water it down, then go get a terrestrial radio job and have a program director tell you what to do. Oh God. You have no idea. You have no <laughs> yeah. idea how cool this yeah. is over that. No, it's awesome. And, and, and I want it to be free and open and, if all I did was have people on that had that held my point of view, then 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 what then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that like let's say you are a hardcore uh, Democrat, so you're always going to watch MSNBC, or you're a hardcore Republican and you get your news from Fox News. Well, if all you do is get your news from the source that rubber stamps your point of view, then what are you learning? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's important to get in front, get, you know, get your eyes and your ears in front of people that have different points of view and try to have an open mind about that and, and think creatively, think openly and have the spine to come up with your own opinion and perspective on things. But you can't do that if all you're doing is listening or watching people that, agree with where you're coming from. It's interesting you should say that. I, I have a younger brother who is so much of a right-wing wacko that he fell off the wing. Like, he, he went so far to the right that he fell off. I mean, that's how right-wing <laughs> he is. And um, it, we were talking about a week ago, and he goes, yeah, I was watching uh, Rachel Maddow the other night. I was like, wait a minute, you were watching who? He goes, uh, Rachel Maddow. You, you know, she's mm -hmm. uh, that, that liberal woman that does a show. And I said, yeah, I know exactly who she is, but... Why were you, he goes, oh, I watch more of those than I watch, which I thought was an interesting, you know, he's a really smart guy. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting perspective because you never hear of white right-wing people saying, I was watching Rachel, and you never hear people on the left going, the other day Rush said, you know, you never hear that kind of right. perspective. Well, you should hear things. more of that. You know what but I mean? I would, trust your, I would trust I your mean, perspective and your point of view if you, yeah, if you're somebody who's a Fox News guy and that's where you get your news and you say, you know, I watch Rachel Maddow every day, I'm more likely to listen to you than yeah. if you're just somebody who's only watching Fox News and get 100% of your news from that. And, <laughs> and vice versa. You know, I don't care what your political opinion is, whether you're left or you're right. Yeah. 
But, you know, that's what we're doing here. And that's what a lot of people, it would be nice if, if you know, Rachel could be on, on Rush's show and Rush could go, but they won't do that. Right. They're going to just spew what they have to spew. Right. Well, every once yeah. in a while, Bill Maher tries to get right-wing people on, on his show, and they get beat up. Yeah. <laughs> so. But you see, it's not about getting them on to, to whip them. It's, right. You know, it should be a discussion, mm-hmm. and that's where the problem lies. And that's why maybe they're right, because all we're doing here is confusing the crap out of people. <laughs> right. But I think that in the confusion, people can figure things out on their own. People are not dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times people are ignorant to facts and uh, the fact that they'll listen to something like this and then derive something from it is a good thing. Right. I think, at least I think that way. I think it's empowering and, and we're, and we're, it's important to not be talking down or condescending to the audience. We're presenting this forum of ideas. Now it's yeah. your turn to synthesize that into something that works for you. And again, it's incumbent upon you to do your own research, search within yourself, you know, what feels good to you and, you know, pursue and blaze your own path. Yeah. You know, become a carnivorous vegan and you'll be just fine. <laughs> Think vegan. Think carnivore. Come on, Vinny. I'm getting you on this vegan diet if it kills me. I'm already a vegan. (laughs) How how many carnivores you know that have a Vitamix? Uh, Actually, a lot. There are are a lot. Yeah, I mean, I live out of a Vitamix. I eat more raw vegetables. And that confuses the crap out of me. And we Mm -hmm. keep talking about that. I confuse the crap out of people because I'm a Vitamix guy. You know, I I eat a ton of raw vegetables every day. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think everyone should for the phytonutrients alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think we did it. Yeah. yeah we, we, ran, we ran out of things to say this week. Yeah. You know, well, it was cool. We didn't even talk about what we were going to talk about well, or what we gonna any, talk any about? plan or I don't know. I have no idea. Because you, call, you you tweeted me and said, what are we going to talk about? Said, Fuck, just turn the mic on. Yeah, we'll I know. That's all we need. Out. It's the best thing. Well, I can always rely on you. I don't have to do any work when you come in because we can just go. Well, hopefully you'll have I me like back it. again. I will. Yeah, and we can confuse people even more. Let's just call it the confusion. Just call it the confusion. An hour, yeah, the power hour of confusion yeah. with Vinny and Rich. Yeah, just call me confusion. We'll leave you worse off than when we started. Yeah. How so if that? you if you thought you knew something before, you don't know it now. Right. Cool. <laughs> All right, man. Did you get everything off your chest. Do you want to get off today? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to talk to Anna. As a matter of fact, as soon as we cut the mics off, I'll call her and see if we can bring you in Sunday. And uh, sounds good. It'd be fun. Love right, to man. have you. Thanks for coming by again. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. All right, man. So, uh, Jai Lifestyle. I didn't even do an ad. Jai Lifestyle. We have a cookbook, downloadable e-cookbook. It's just nine ninety nine. Seven seventy seven pages of awesomeness. Tons of Vitamix recipes. Vinny loves his Vitamix. Oh, yeah. He loves his raw veggies in the Vitamix. So check that out. I have an athletic recovery supplement product called Jai Repair. It's a tri-blend of three different plant-based proteins, uh, hemp protein, which is awesome, sprouted brown rice protein, and pea protein. It also has L-glutamine. Uh, it has some powerful antioxidants like grape skin extracts and resveratrol. And it has the kicker ingredient, the cordyceps mushrooms extracts, which uh, have been shown to help. Which product is that? It's called Jai Repair. Is that the uh, protein? That's not the protein supplement. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, it's good. Did you have some? I'll get you some. Rich, I was helping you with an ad. All right. <laughs> I'm going to send you a case just for saying that, Vinny. Um, 
Does it have sugar in it? There's the, just the tiniest amount to cut the flavor, but yeah. re, it's super insignificant. Okay. So there is, I, w- I wouldn't, you know, it's not completely sugar-free because you'll see it on cantry, the, nu- you know, right. you'll see it on the nutrition label. And I've gotten people who have emailed me and said, what are you doing? There's some, there's some fructose in here. And it's, it's so minute, uh, that it really is just to, uh, to, um, cut the flavor. So it's, it's not going to cause any sugar problems for you. Uh, and the, the kicker ingredient in it, in, in it, cordyceps mushroom extracts, which I have found to be very helpful in, uh, boosting my endurance by improving my body's ability to efficiently metabolize or metabolize is the wrong word to efficiently utilize oxygen, um, improving lung efficiency, et cetera. So we have that. We have a meditation program, Julie's meditation program called Jai Release. We have a vitamin B12 supplement, uh, which is a spray, which is great. I'll get you some of that too, Vinny. I love B12. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, well, that's the other thing my doctor said, load up on Bs. I never asked her why. She just said, take a B100 every day. All right. So I'm a big B fan. Cool. So yeah, so check out the, the Jai B12 on JaiLifestyle.com. And we're working on some new stuff coming towards you soon. Uh, we're designing a cycling kit. should be pretty cool. Jai Lifestyle cycling kit. Some t-shirts for swag. And what else? Uh, if you want to support the show. Oh, you know what? If you go on JaiLifestyle.com and you've never been there before, you subscribe, you get a free seven recipe download. So there's your added incentive to go check it out. If you want to support this show, uh, click on the Amazon banner ad on the right-hand side on the blog or podcast page of richroll.com. It won't cost you a penny extra if you're going to be buying something on Amazon uh, to visit Amazon by clicking on that link first, and it'll throw a few nickels in our in our cup and uh, keep the bandwidth flowing so I can bring people like Vinny to you. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. The whole idea behind doing this is to, like I said, broaden people's perspectives, help empower you to think outside the box and become the master of your own physical, spiritual, and mental domain to reach within your side yourself and unlock that dream that's sitting inside of you and put it into action, put some energy behind it and become the best, most authentic version of yourself. So I'll be coming back at you soon. Vinny, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Peace. Plants. Yeah.